Hello, everyone, and thank you for joining us today. I want to welcome all of you. First of all, I want to welcome all of you that are joining us online from wherever you're watching. Hey, I can't wait till we can see more of each other face to face. Uh, and I think that day's fastly approaching. But until then, isn't it great that we can come together like this and still connect through technology? I also want to welcome everyone at our Kernersville location. Now, for those of you in Kernersville, you've already noticed this is different because you're watching me today through a screen. Because for the first time in a very, very long time, I am actually speaking from our Oak Ridge location. And for the first time Ever, I'm speaking from the stage of our brand new Oak Ridge location building. We are so excited. What a special thing this is. And so I just want to let you guys know that if you have friends that live in the Northwest Guilford area, you need to let them know. Come join us. This beautiful facility, and we're so thankful that God has allowed us to use this tool to reach many people in the triad. And I want to let you know that I'm going to be joining you next week as we kick off a brand new series. So I'll see you Kernersville people again then. And I want to welcome all of you in Oak Ridge. It is such an honor to be with you guys. This is going to be a great time. Isn't it interesting how fascinated, have you ever realized how fascinated we are with the future? I mean, just think about it. When you think about the future, of course, we don't know what the future is going to hold as far as the details and all of that kind of stuff because we're not there yet. Isn't it interesting how much time and energy we spend focused on the future? We're fascinated by it. We make movies about it, movie after movie, back to the future, time traveling. Here we go. Technology, we're constantly talking about what's coming and what's it going to be like and how things are going to be different and how things are going to change. I can remember growing up as a kid, all of the talk about what cars would be like, what automobiles would be like in the future. And I remember the day, the first time I heard, and even some you know, drawn up pictures and sketches of the fact that one day cars will drive themselves. And I'm thinking, ain't no way, man. That's just bunk. That's no way. That, that'll never happen. And here we are. We already have that technology. We are living in the future. And maybe some of you have a car that drives somewhat by itself. So uh, I don't know if you can trust it yet or not. I get it. That is kind of weird. But we are fascinated, aren't we, by the future. Hey, did you know that you can actually change the future? Yeah, I'm serious. You really can. You can actually make decisions in the present and do things here and now that changes the future. Yeah, in, in this series that we've been doing, this Love First series, as we begin to wrap this series up, we come back to the question that we've been asking all throughout the series, and that is, what happens when I love someone? What happens when I love someone with a love first kind of love. And I can tell you that the answer to that question in relationship to the future is that love changes the future. I mean, it truly does. There are certain things that will or won't happen in people's lives if they are adequately loved and if they adequately love others. And there are certain things 
in life that will and or will not happen if someone is not adequately and properly loved and if they don't adequately and properly love the people around them. I mean, love is just that powerful. And now we know this. We've tapped into this reality in the world of psychology and psychiatry and counseling. That's, how, that's why so many times when you go to a counselor or a psychologist or a therapist, what they want to do is go back in the past and talk about your relationships and how you experienced love from your parents, from your siblings, from your family of origin, and then kind of trace that because we know, we know that there's stuff that happens that affects the future. And you are living in the future. The present right now is the future of yesterday in, in accordance to how you were or were not loved. And so love that we give each other now and love that we experience now can literally change the future. How does that happen? Well, that's what we're going to talk about in the next few minutes. But to begin kind of laying a foundation for this, I want to take you to the famous love chapter in the Scriptures. In the New Testament, Paul, the apostle, wrote to the Corinthians in the famous 1 Corinthians 13. And last week, Amy Laughlin did a phenomenal job talking to us about what love looks like in the present. And she read out of 1 Corinthians 13. So we're going to go back to some of that. But this time, we're going to look at it as it applies to the future that can be changed if we apply these things. So let's look at 1 Corinthians 13. Love never gives up, never loses faith is always hopeful, and endures through every circumstance. Do you see the nod to the future there? Do you see that present? I mean, look at these words, never. Never means nothing's going to happen that's going to make love give up. Nothing's going to happen that's going to make love lose faith. Not love first kind of love, the kind of love that we should be having for one another and we should be experiencing. It's always hopeful, and endures through every circumstance. This is the kind of love that God has for us. This is how God loves us. We call it unconditional love, a love without condition, a love that's a no matter what kind of love. And we say that that's how God loves us because it is. And we see that perfectly through Jesus. In fact, Jesus displayed it perfectly, flawlessly. But it doesn't just stop there. Unconditional love, this kind of love, is not just something that God loves us with. It's how we are to love each other unconditionally. Now, I'm not Jesus, you're not Jesus, and we're not perfect. So we're not going to do this perfectly, but we can do it better. And we can learn to get better and better and better at loving each other no matter what, without conditions. Later on in the chapter, towards the end of his section on love, in this famous love chapter of 1 Corinthians 13, Paul makes a pretty big statement about love and just how powerful and how strong love is. Look at this. He said, three things will last forever. Faith, hope, and love. Faith, hope, and love. And the greatest of these, faith, hope, and love, is love. I mean, that's a big statement, because you think what a big deal faith is. 
Faith in God. Think about how strong that is and how that affects our future. It certainly does. Even our eternities, our faith in God. Think about hope, how powerful hope is. What happens to people when they lose hope? And what happens to people in their future when they have a strong hope? Powerful. But Paul says, stronger than faith, more influential than hope is love. That is a huge thing to say. And we need to understand that that's why love has such a strong impact on the future. It's because it has this kind of power. The kind of power when it is experienced and given unconditionally changes the future. This is why love changes the future. Because love is the greatest motivator. If you think about it, and maybe you've never thought about it in those terms, but I think if you think about it, you'll know it's true. Love is the greatest motivator. Paul would say, love is a greater motivator than faith. We just read that. Paul would say, love is a greater motivator than hope. Love is the greatest motivator for the future. This is why I believe with all my heart God goes to such great lengths to communicate to us so clearly how much he unconditionally loves us because he knows when we get a picture of how much he loves us, it changes us. It changes our future. You know, let me give you an example. The famous John 3.16. I mean, people who don't even go to church, people who don't claim to believe in God and follow Jesus are probably pretty familiar with that. You see it still on signs at ball games, even though there's been no people in the stadiums this past year to hold up the signs, but you know, you know what I'm saying. Yet John 3.16. For God so loved the world, he loved the world so much that he gave his one and only son, Jesus, so that whoever, whosoever, believes, puts their trust in him, will not perish, but will live forever and ever and ever, will have eternal, everlasting life. Do you know what that's about? It's about us being motivated by the love of God through Jesus. Motivated to the point where we put our trust in Jesus because he loves us so much and our eternity. Talking about a future. We're not just talking about next week changing next month, next year being affected. We're talking about your entire forever is impacted by how we respond to God's love. John 3.16 is all about us being motivated by God's love through Jesus and our future is changed as a result because that's what love does. Love will change the future because it's the greatest motivator. Paul writes to the Romans um, about God's love and he says that, Nothing can separate us from God's love. And he wants us to know and be motivated for life, knowing that God's love is unconditional and never goes away. And there's nothing we can do to make God love us more. And there's nothing we can do to make God love us less. It's unconditional. He goes through a list of things in Romans chapter 8. that He says nothing can separate us from God's love. And one of the things he said is that nothing, even in the future... Nothing in the past, nothing in the present, nothing in the future that is going to happen will be able to separate us 
from God's love. That's motivating for us to know that. And it is not by mistake that no less than 11 times in the New Testament alone in the Bible, we are told to love one another. For you to love me and me to love you, we to love each other, we're just supposed to love each other because it is the greatest motivator. Motivates me, motivates you to become who God created us to be. I think that's why God goes such to great lengths, to such great ends to communicate how much he loves us and then to challenge us to love each other that much. Love is the greatest motivator. Let me be a little bit more specific because maybe this will help you understand when, when we pair that against fear. Love is the greatest motivator, much more so than fear. And the reason I want to mention this is because this is what we're most familiar with. In our lives, in my life, in your life, we are most commonly experiencing motivation from fear. You better not, and you better watch out, and you fill in the blank. Yeah, love is a greater motivator than fear. Because here's the deal, when you're motivated by fear, you live in fear. And maybe some of you know that. Maybe some of you live in that reality. You're, you grew up being motivated by fear, whether it be from a church or your parents or uh, your teachers, your coaches, and just the adults surrounding you. You were motivated constantly by fear. You better not, and you're on the edge of disaster, and it's not going to go well for you, and you now live in a state of fear. Nobody wants to live like that. Here's the deal. If fear was a better motivator than love... If fear were the better motivator, then it only is logical that the people that were most fearful would be the best at life. The people who were most afraid would be the best at relationships, uh, best at relationship with God. They would be the best at life. They would be the most successful people. But we know that's not true. We know that the most fearful and the most afraid people are not the best at life. We know that the ones that are the best at life the best at relationships, even the best at a relationship with God are those who understand how much they're loved and know what it's like to love each other as they should. Love is the greatest motivator, so much more so than fear. Now, I'll be honest to let you know, fear is faster than love, right? I mean, fear is a much faster motivator often at least temporarily until the fear is gone, and then the fear is gone, and then we go back to doing whatever we were doing. Um, that's why so many churches try to motivate people using fear. Uh, we'll talk a little bit more of that in, in just a little bit. Uh, but that's often what parents do, right? And, and all of us parents have done it. I've done it. You've done it. Our parents did it to us. And you have to be careful that we motivate our kids with, you know, this is going to happen to you, and you better not, and if you do, and we motivate by fear so much. And, you know, it gets the kids, you know, hopefully to kind of get back in line until the moment dies, and then they go back to doing what they were doing before that got them in trouble to begin with. Hey, motivating by fear, it's, it's what we've experienced in our government in, in some ways when in response to this pandemic. I mean, a lot of information has been very helpful and very truth-driven, but a lot of it has been fear-driven as well. And so fear may be faster, but it's not the best way. Love is a much better motivator. In fact, John, in the famous passage on love that we've been talking about over the last few weeks, said this, that perfect love drives out fear. Now, 
The word perfect here doesn't mean flawless love. He's talking about when love does what it's supposed to do. When love is as it should be. When we love as we were meant to love. When love is love. The natural result is that fear gets driven out. Isn't that amazing? Again, we see here that love is a better motivator. Love is the greatest motivator. That's why it changes the future. It's such a better motivator than fear. But not just fear. Love is the greatest motivator more so than guilt, which is another motivator that you and I are way too familiar with in our lives. Guilt, you know, the blame, this is all your fault, and you'd better not do it again. And shame, look what you did. Look at what you caused. Look at the mess you made. I hope you don't do this again. See, we, we know what that kind of motivation is like. But just like fear, when you're motivated by guilt, you end up living in guilt. And that's no way to live. We know that guilt is not the greatest motivator. If it were, then the most guilty people would be the best at life. And we know that's not true. The people who felt the most blame and shame would be the best at you know, their careers and relationships and their connection to God. And that's not true. The people that are best at life are the people who know that they're unconditionally loved and they learn what it means to unconditionally love others. Just the way God has loved us. Now, fear and guilt is very natural for human beings, very natural responses. But we just need to know that love is greater. Love is the greatest motivator. To be loved, to know that you are unconditionally loved will motivate you and it will change your future. And when you love others unconditionally, it will motivate them and change their future. What happens when you love someone? That's what happens when you love someone. Now this isn't, let me just go on a kind of side tangent real quick because I think this is important to point out. This is not just true for individuals. This is also true for churches. That love is the greatest motivator that a church has in its arsenal, in its tool belt. So much more so than fear and guilt. In other words, Summit Church, we're going to be so much more effective bringing people to Jesus through love than through fear or guilt. Now, I, I grew up in churches where fear and guilt, was uh, that was always on the table. And that's just what was constantly served up in buffet style. Fear and guilt, guilt and fear. And it sounded like this. I mean, we were just taught to go up to people and just cold, just right off the bat, ask them a question. Hey, listen, sir, mister, if you were to die today, sir, can I ask you a question? If you were to die today, if you were to die like right now, like drop dead, cold, dead, if you were to walk out there and get hit by a bus, where would you go, heaven or hell? Now, legitimate question, I, I get it. But that question only brings fear. I mean, my goodness, it just kind of makes you shake in your shoes kind of thing, right? And then we had this other question that just kind of, again, added more fear and, and, and guilt, and it was the question that was like, if, if you were to die and they were to stop you at the gate of heaven and God were to ask you, why should I let you into my heaven? What would you say? Now, they had a, they had a whole list of the right answers, right? But it just makes you go, oh my gosh, I don't, I don't know. I don't know. I hope I have the right 
answer. Like God's some grumpy old troll that lives under a bridge, and I, I, I hope I don't say the wrong thing or do the wrong thing, and then he's going to hit the eject button and, ah, you know, kind of thing. No. First of all, that's not the way it's going to happen. And secondly, it paints a horrible picture of who God is. I, I wonder, I wonder what would happen instead if we ask people questions like, hey, do you, do you realize that you are absolutely 100% unconditionally loved by God? That there's nothing you can do to make God love you less? And there's nothing you can do to make God love you more? And you know, and, and that's what Jesus is all about. Helping you know that. I wonder how the conversation would change and how the response would change if we motivated people with that loving response and then showed them and backed it up and showed them unconditional love and served them and met their needs and illustrated God's unconditional love to them by the way we treated them. I'm telling you, love will always bring more people to Jesus than fear or guilt ever could because love is the greatest motivator. Now, let me, let me unpack it just a little bit more and, and show you a different facet of this because this really hits home to how you and I experience motivation by love, okay? Motivation when it comes to love. There's two different ways that love motivates people, and one of them is something you should avoid, and one of them is very healthy and something you should embrace and pursue. And it's the difference between being motivated by and living for love versus from love. The difference between living for love versus from love. Being motivated for love or being motivated from love. Okay, let me go ahead and tell you that the one on the left is not where you want to be. The one on the right, that's healthy. That's what we should embrace. Let me give you some differences. Being motivated and living for love is a so that versus from love, that's a because. This is what it looks like. When you are being motivated and living for love, you are living and doing your life in such a way so that someone will love you, so that I will be loved. I got to walk the line. I got to do a certain thing. I got to be a certain way versus if you live from love. You are free to live your life because you are already loved so much. And people, we experience this with each other and with God. So many of us are in relationships with people right now where we are living for, we're trying to live for their love versus being freed up to live from the fact because they love me. And so many people look at God the same way. We're trying to figure out a way to live life and be a good boy and good girl so that God will love us, missing the fact that he already does and Jesus is proof. So let's discover what it looks like to live life because God loves us so much. You see what I'm going? You see where I'm going? Do you see the difference? Here's another difference. Living for love is, is an earned mindset that you got to perform. You got to perform. You, you got to keep making it happen. You got to get that approval. 
versus when you live from love, you understand that love is just given. It's just given. It is a gift. It is there. It is constant. It's not going anywhere. It's a place of acceptance. Let's go to a, a third line here. Living for love, that's when love is conditional. It changes. It changes. It's moody. It's fickle. Versus living from love with other people, with God, is understanding it's unconditional. A no matter what kind of love. And lastly, when you are living for love, it is exhausting because it never ends. And you never know if you've done enough, right? Versus when you live from love, it is so empowering, engaging, encouraging. It's fueling to you. There's a big difference between living for love. That's not where you want to be with other people, and you don't want anybody else to be living for your love. And you don't want to be looking at God and thinking you have to live for his love. No, you need to understand what a from love looks like and the power of a from love. A from love, being motivated from love, living from love is really what changes the future between people and between you and God. Let me show you what happens. What happens when you live from love and you're motivated from love? This is how it changes the future. It gives you confidence. It'll give you confidence. When you are living from love, you have confidence. You have this attitude like, I got this. I got this. I do. And no matter what, I got this. I can face this. And when you love other people like that, like God has loved you, then it gives them confidence to help them know that when it, in regards to you that they got this because they are unconditionally loved by you. And when you understand that you're unconditionally loved by God, it should fill you with confidence. Um, I was thinking about this the other day when I was kind of going through these notes the feeling I get with this is the feeling that I often have when I'm um, up against some home repairs that I don't know what to do with that are kind of out of my league. You know, I mean, and I've, I've learned through the years to do some small stuff, but eventually, you know, stuff breaks at the house and you just don't know what to do. When that happens, isn't it great to have some friends that have all the right tools and know how to use them, right? Isn't it great to have people in your life, to have friends and connections with people that know how to do the stuff that you don't know how to do and you can call them and they tell you, hey, listen, when this happens with your plumbing, call me. When this happens with your electrical stuff, call me. Hey, when this happens in your yard, you need some stuff done with trees, call me. When this happens with, and you fill in the blank, like your air conditioning, your heating, whatever. Isn't it great? I mean, I, I just, when I think about when I have home repairs and stuff just breaks and my mind reflects to the people that I have in my life that have said, hey, listen, call me if this happens. I've got the right tools. I'll bring it over and I'll show you how to use it kind of thing. It gives me confidence. My fear level goes down and I just know it's going to happen eventually, but I got people and so I got this. Love is very much the same thing. When you go through life realizing you are unconditionally loved, no matter what, God loves you. No matter what, the people in your life love you. And when you communicate that kind of love to the people in your life, confidence goes through the roof. I got this. And not just confidence, but courage. Courage that helps people understand that they're not alone. 
That it's okay to take a chance. It's okay to risk a little. It's okay to, to try and fail and then try again. Why? Because I am unconditionally loved. Because I'm not living for their love, I'm living from their love. I'm not living for God's love. God already loves me unconditionally. I am free to live from God's love, knowing I'm already loved. So that gives me courage to know that no matter what happens, I'm not alone, so I can face it. I can make this happen. And then there's one more. There's one more, and this may be the biggest of all. When you live from love, it brings change. A change that helps you understand that you can become who God created you to be because you are loved. Now, this is interesting. So much research has gone into this. And um, this whole thing about what makes people change. What makes people change? And this is, this is important. You should listen to this. As we're beginning to wrap this up, this is very, very significant because I know you have people in your life that you wish would change. I have people in my life I wish they would change. And there are actually probably a lot of people that look at us and say, I wish they would change. But what the research is showing more and more about how people change and what makes people change. People are much more apt to change, not when you show them how wrong they are. There's the fear and the guilt, right? Not when you tell them how bad off they are or how far off they are or make them feel bad about how they need to change. And that's usually where we start, right? You're this, and you did this, and you're not this, and you won't be, and you can't be, and thinking, well, if he'll just see it, if she'll just see it, then they'll change. Well, how's that working for you? Because I'm sure you've tried it in your marriage, with your kids, with your friends, with your coworkers, with your employees. I'm sure you've gone that route. No, the research is showing that what makes people truly change is knowing that they are unconditionally loved and accepted as they are. And that's scary. You know why it's scary to us? Because we know they need to change. And what if they don't change? But heres it's counterintuitive. It's fascinating. The people are much more apt to change when they are unconditionally loved and accepted by those in their lives. And I think if you'll stop and think about it, you'll know it's true. Because if guilting them and shaming them and creating fear and all of that were the greatest motivators then people would have changed a long time ago because we've been playing those tunes and they don't work. Love is the greater motivator when we help people learn what it means to live from God's love and we help them live from our love, not for it. They're not trying to earn it. We give it freely. And now they're, and now they're motivated to consider what a better life, what changes they need to make. Some of you might be thinking, and, and this is a big topic, and I just want to just mention it. Well, I, I'm, doing, I'm doing that, but what if I continue to do that and I feel like I'm being taken advantage of? I, I'm trying to unconditionally love my husband, my wife, my kids, and I feel like they're just taking advantage of it. What do I do? Am I just become a doormat? No, not necessarily, but understand this. If you unconditionally love people, eventually they will take advantage of your love. That's what happens to real love. It gets taken advantage of. Eventually, it's going to happen. Just like you've taken advantage of other people's unconditional love, even God's love. And we take advantage of God's unconditional love all the time. 
He said, what do I do if people are going to take advantage of my love? Understand, eventually that's going to happen. Now, that does not mean that you're not supposed to be honest with people. It doesn't mean you tolerate toxic behavior. It doesn't mean that you ignore problems. It doesn't mean from time to time there may not need to be some healthy boundaries put into place. But let me ask you this. What other option do you have as a follower of Jesus? What other option do we have as followers of Jesus who unconditionally loved us and then told us, and we've already seen it in this series, now I want you to love each other just like I've loved you. What other option do we have than to keep on loving? There's no other option. Because love is just the way. And it is the greatest motivator and it will change their future, and it will change your future. It may not happen overnight. It may not be near as fast as fear and guilt, but it's truer. It's better. It's the way it was meant to be. Love just simply changes the future. And the more you know that you are free to live from God's love, your future changes. And the more People in your life know that they are free to live from your unconditional love to them. Their future changes and your future changes with them. So two two questions as we wrap this up. Number one, who, who do you need to thank for their unconditional love in your life? Because your present was the future in your past when they unconditionally loved you and now it has changed your future. You are different because they loved you and how they loved you. Who do you need to go back and thank? A parent, a friend, somebody in your life and obviously we need to give thanks to God because we have all been changed by his unconditional love. Who do you need to thank? Do that. But second question, whose future Whose future do you need to change with your love? Who around you do you need to communicate crystal clearly that you unconditionally love them? And they don't have to live for your love because you're giving it to them. They can live from your love. Whose future do you need to change with that kind of love? Because I'm telling you, it'll motivate them more than fear, more than guilt, It is the greatest motivator, and it will change their future, and it will change your future. So who is it that you need to have a conversation with? In fact, maybe it's like this, a conversation that says, you can count on me. Who do you need to have a you-can-count-on-me conversation with? so that their confidence soars and their courage soars and that they are motivated to change by your unconditional love. Who do you need to change the future with? Just by the way you love them. That's how powerful love first is. Let's pray together and thank God for his unconditional love for us so that we can live from his love, and then let's ask him to help us do that same thing for each other. Dear Father, we thank you first and foremost for your unconditional love to us displayed through Jesus Christ. That we don't have to earn it, 
We don't have to work for it. We don't have to turn over new leaves. We don't have to wonder. We can receive it because it's a gift. Thank you for loving us unconditionally. And may we be motivated by that. Not just to put our trust in you, but may we understand that motivation by your unconditional love propels us to live for you because we already have your love. And Father, then help us to learn what it looks like to do that for each other. There have been people who have done that for us and it's changed our futures. May we be careful to be grateful and thank them, but help us to see who we need to make sure they know that we unconditionally love them. They can live from our love, not for our love. Who needs that confidence? Who needs courage from that? Who needs to experience change? May we be changed by this kind of love. And may we step away from fear and step away from guilt and pursue a love-first kind of love, the kind of love we've received from you. Help us to learn what that means and showing it to each other in Jesus' name.